welcome to episode 288 of The Sleeper and the Bus, live from the Rising Stars Arizona Fall League All-Star Game. I'm here with Eno Saris and Jason Collette. Told you we'd get a live pod together. Guys, how's it going? What's up, Eno? Doing good. I, I actually I feel pretty well rested <laughs> compared to you guys. We, uh, we I'm know sorry. That. Uh, sorry I missed your breakout session this morning, but I did notice a really cool little note about uh, Justin Verlander and how he got a second... Uh, you know, second half success, and I, I was wondering if uh, you'd just tell me a little bit about what I missed this morning. So, Jason and I were on. First off, let's explain where we're at. Obviously, we know we're at Arizona Fall League, but we're also at the Baseball HQ First Pitch Forums. So, it's, you know, mixing fantasy baseball and real baseball. This morning, at 8 a.m., Jason and I were on a pitching panel about facts and flukes, and, and one of the guys, obviously, that came up is Verlander, for obvious reasons. You know, he had those brutal first six starts and then 14 brilliant ones. And the main thing that I noticed, you know, because we're deciding do we believe in it or not, and I believe it was a fact, and the, and the key for me was the high fastball. He completely changed those first six starts, and he yeah, has arbitrary um, because you know those are the bad ones. And but there's there's a couple bad ones mixed in with the latter half too. So I don't think it's completely arbitrary. He started going up in the zone with the fastball, 52% of the time, upper third, compared to 38% before. Yeah. The OPS difference in performance was like 1100 to 400. It was stark. He had life on the fastball again. Had that little bit of hop that you would probably notice in 2012, 2013, and then all of his secondary stuff was down. And so he's just changing eye levels that way. And he looked like Verlander of old. Maybe not the MVP Cy Young version, but damn close. So I find I find his second half to be completely factual. I feel like Jason was, you came out pretty similarly, but not quite I as back, aggressively. I had to back your play because you know, the other two were like, eh. Yeah, they were pretty cold on him. So I, I had to back your play because I made the point that the results, if you look at the, sec, the, for, the starts, after the All Star break, against what he's done over the last five years, this is pretty much right in line. Very, you know. So, yeah, I, I said I'm back on the Verlander wagon after th- after thinking I was off it. And I honestly thought I was off it. You know, you and I talked about him d- during the season. You know, you're always grilling me like, well, what do you what do you think, Tigers fan? Are you going to stake with him? And, mm-hmm. and remember, you know, you and I were talking to him and CC and all that sort of stuff, we're like sticking with our old veterans. You know, there is a key difference between CC and him, though. The reason that well, we like both of those, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Age, age, and size <laughs> might be part of it. But, you know, we were talking about how if you took the name off of them and you just looked at their pitch peripherals, exactly. you, you would see that they still had two or three really good pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still had a nice collection of, 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 of pitches that they could attack the batters, which were still getting good results on the pitch level. And I think one of the problems, you know, with CC is the bad fastball. If you look at Verlander's, it's quote-unquote bad fastball compared to, you know, what uh, what it was in the past. But it's not as bad as CeCe's fastballs got. Exactly. I mean, CeCe's down to 89. That's going to be Homer problem, not to, you know, you know, every day. So, Verlander's still at 93, 94, you know, I, I, without looking. We don't have our computers no, in front of no, us today. If Estrada can live in the upper part of the strike zone at 89, 90, why can't Verlander live at exactly. 92, 94? Exactly. I mean, those pitches up there that high become fly balls. Fly balls have the lowest percentage of being hit, so yes, they can be hit out of the park, but... Yeah, but he's also can. getting swing-throughs again, too. That was yes. another big difference, was that his swing strike rate, uh, like, trip Basically, again, we don't have our computers, so I don't have the exact figures, but it was stark. Everything was there. There wasn't. It wasn't like he got a, a, a 150 BABIP off of the fastball, and that everything was there for him. So, 
so we're in on Verlander. Right. I want to talk about another guy that, that we discussed today because uh, it's perfect to have you here, and I wish you'd have been in the room for it. It's Cal Hendricks because your name was evoked uh, because you, you brought up his change-ups. So let's start with you, Jason, on Kyle Hendricks. Again, the question in terms of if he's a factor or a fluke was specifically regarding his strikeout rate yeah. because he jumped up to like 8.5 from about, what, 5.5 last year. And, and what, what did you notice before we get to the double change-up situation that Eno talked about? I just said it was a flukish because for a guy that's got such a good change-up, he has reverse splits. He doesn't. He, has, he struggles against lefties. And that concerns me. For a guy with an elite change-up, you should not have issues against opposite-handed batters. And that's what he's demonstrating right now. Yet then again, I mean, overall, his overall numbers worked um, for that. So we'll see what happens. With I, I'm a little worried about that being repeatable, despite the you know the batting average of balls in play and everything else being league average. I'm just I don't know if that's going to work for him again this season. You know, as I mentioned, it was, it was brought up that you wrote a piece how he has two distinctive changeups. First off, do you see? Well, talk talk about the two changeups. What's the difference between them? And then do you think he can improve that uh, left-handed problem? Because like like Jason said, with two changeups, you would think he would have better platoon splits, but he didn't. And then we'll highlight what you mentioned as to why. Well, I think you know one of the problems. I think he probably it might be like a focus thing because he's focusing on getting uh, right-handers out because he'd had a problem with them. I think, and so the cut change was his was his answer to that, which was he didn't have a good breaking ball, didn't have a good slider, the, the curveball's not great, and so he's like, oh, I'm just going to cut this change, and the change, it, it's really weird because it looks a little bit like a cutter, uh, looks a little bit like a slider, but it's like a change-up velocity, I mean, it's all, it's a very strange pitch, it's one of those unique pitches in baseball, uh, and he loves it to death, so I mean, there's, a, there's a possibility that he likes his cut change more than his regular change, and that's the source of his platoon splits. That, I think, is some risk. I'll, I'll admit, I totally agree on that. I think there's a little bit of risk coming that. And then the other thing that you brought up was that he did the called strike thing yes. because you know he's one of those guys with the low swinging strike rate, and you're kind of like, how did you get anywhere near eight strikeouts per nine with with like a five, six, seven type uh, swinging strike rate? His called strike rate was the third best in baseball among qualified starters, so 162 innings minimum. Jason, you noticed something with the platoon split about the location of his pitches, and that he didn't necessarily vary it up. What did you see there when he was when Hendricks was dealing with lefties that you thought he would continue to be susceptible. Yeah, it reminded me of lefty. It reminded me of Odorizzi last year, same kind of thing. Everything was away, 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 and it was down. So you really only have to zone out. You don't have to worry about being pitching inside and being hit with inside if you're diving out over the plate. And I made the same argument with Odorizzi last year. If he would have started using a cutter, an actual cutter, on the inner half against lefties just to keep him honest, I think it would help It would help him repeat what he's doing right now. Until he starts giving people uh, a reason to be careful leaning out over the plate, they're going to keep because I think 13 of his 17 homers came against lefties. So uh, we both. And, and, you know, another thing with Hendricks uh, is like, it's just, you're right, it's a similar thing. Like, if he had a rising four seamer or something, right. what he has is sinker, and it's like sinker, it change, the same plane. and then, the same you know, plane. and Porcello has talked about that with me a lot, where he said, when I was sinker change and I didn't have that curveball, it was just like, I could see them just leaning out over the plate and just like getting further out afraid. there. And then, yeah, there's no reason for them to, to back up off the plate at all, and then everything goes to the opposite field. And they can they can really take it the ball where they want to take it. So, so I do think there's a fair amount of risk with Hendricks. I mean that's the way we've been calling him. You know, even scout types, you know, talking about him, have been calling him like a three four five. He kind of had a, a year where he pitched more like a two three. But we may see next year why people that talk about the risk and you know. I, 
the research says that swinging strikes and called strikes are, are about the same sticky year to year. Okay, but I was it, curious on that. But if you ask me, man, I, I want I, the swinging strike stuff. Exactly, yeah, so do know. I. And that, that was a concern I had for somebody. He wasn't on the panel, but Aaron Nola was another guy who came to the majors with a bigger strikeout rate than anybody expected, and it was all called strikes. Yeah. I mean, he, he had an okay swinging strike rate. Well, the better one thing than you can say with Nola is that he has great command. At least that's something you sort of hang your hat on. Yeah, you a know? tool that it's you like, can hang your hat on. And maybe, maybe that's what's going on with Hendricks. Maybe he does have decent command, but I don't think that I necessarily watched him this postseason at least and was like, oh, that's amazing command. I think, you know, he missed his spots like anybody else. Yeah, D- definitely more control than command for, yeah. for, for Hendricks. One, I mean, we talked about it against uh, Estrada, how he goes up and down as well, but everything's down, down, down for, for uh, Hendricks where he is, and that's what's got to, if I'm going to make it a change, I mean, you either, got, either have to pitch inside or you got to change eye levels, one of the two. Get that curveball going, get a rising fastball, something. something. You know, there's a, there, I think there's still something missing. We had a couple either ors, you know, uh, the the most the biggest one was Strasburg versus Cole, which is a really tough decision to make. So I, I won't pin you down on on one of them specifically and hold you to it. But but how do you see those two going into next year, Strasburg versus Cole? Obviously, both have uh, ace skills, but they also have their flaws in terms of becoming that true ace. Who do well, you like you know, I was talking to Matt Madonna about this, and uh, and Matt Madonna, um you know, plays a lot of NFS, NFVC, and I think uh, he was talking about how Matt Modica. Modica, that's it. Mike Modica. Matt CTM Modica. baseball. Yeah, CTM baseball at CTM baseball, and he was talking about how uh, he thinks Strasburg is a, is a real ace. That the underlying stuff was all there, and uh, there's no real reason to worry. Um, you know, I think sometimes format changes the way we think about things. I, I know that we talk about this on the on the podcast all the time about how I'm a, at heart kind of a dynasty guy, so I, I have more patience than anybody, mm-hmm. and sometimes that'll hit me in a redraft where I should you know drop a guy earlier. Than I do. So, you know, being a dynasty guy, I would rather have Cole. He's younger. You know, he hasn't demonstrated as many injury problems in the same way as Strasburg. He had, you know, it's kind of been ongoing for Strasburg in different parts of his body and all that stuff. So, I, I, I would lean towards Cole. But in an NFBC format, the thing that's interesting is that you have like, especially the one you do here, mm-hmm. there's like 50 rounds, and you don't do any waivers, and you Nothing. don't do any trades, and so basically, you what you need to do is draft upside. And so, in some ways. I think, you know, I do think that Strasburg's upside might be a little bit higher because, you know, he just has a great collection of stuff and he's gone for strikeouts a little bit more than Cole. Cole's exactly. like often happy to get the ground ball. Yeah, very whereas Strasburg is a little bit more right. like, I want the strikeouts. And for fantasy, it's important. We want the strikeouts. So, you know, I, I think um, in, th- in those formats where the upside is about all you need and you're going to have, you know, your, your replacement guys that you, you're in a draft that you like, you know, way later, then maybe I could see Strasburg in short. But I think... In my rankings, I'm putting Cole ahead of Strasburg. You, you mentioned that we do some drafts out here. I was involved in an NFBC draft. It's a 50-round draft in Hall. We do 23 rounds here in, live, and then the other 27 starting in January. Those two, Garrett Cole, went second pick, third round to uh, somebody. Second pick, I've no, got it right pick, here. And then I took Strasburg at the end of round three, pick 15. So, so, so 13 like picks. picks yeah. Yeah, see, well, see yeah. then, then, uh, then I might like Strasburg. I mean, yeah, I think they're that close. Then. I think they're boom, boom, boom right next to each other. So Yeah, I made the point. Some of the points I made was in three seasons, Cole has as many 200-inning pitch seasons as Strasburg does in six, which right. is one. Uh, but from a pitch outcome perspective, Strasburg wins every single category, every right. single one. Yeah. That said, it still feels like Cole's a safer guy to go with. Yeah. Is it safe? Seems you crazy, want to go safer? You want to go with the risk? And that's that was my point. I said I wanted Cole. And you know what? Maybe we aren't that good at assessing risk. 
You know, maybe maybe we don't know. Although, I come on, Strasburg is hurt every year. That's the thing. I mean, he's <laughs> he hurt literally like every, every year. year. Yeah, I think I think I, I, I had it on the notes like 60 L stints already, and Cole had two and 14, but he didn't have any this year. Yeah. So Cole did stay upright all year. And again, like I I, I, I can't firmly commit to one or the other. I took Strasburg obviously because he was available. A huge Cole guy. I love both of those guys. Last thing about the pitcher panel, uh, the other, one of the other ones what that was, we what, did. What, what, what did you? Did you have a, a pitcher oh, yeah. that you were kind of taking a claim to? Or who, who did you lean closer toward? I think I thought you were. I said Cole. No, yeah. no, I mean uh, in the in the uh, right in the panel this today. Did you have like a was there a oh, section that was yours? A, a section that was the uh, the fact that Nate Carnes went undrafted in this 2015 <laughs> team, 23 rounds. Nate Carnes wasn't touched. Alex Cobb was drafted, who's not going to pitch until mid-August. Yeah, you know things like that. But I'm like, what what happened all of a sudden that a guy that three pitches like that uh, changeup made a lot of improvement this year and wait, he just didn't get touched let's also talk about the fact that he's on a new team now so you shouldn't be so butthurt about him since he's no longer on Tampa Bay but I understand I understand so let's talk about no, that I trade quickly to, where the hell is he Nate Carnes CJ Riefenhauser and uh, prospect Boog Powell no relation out to Seattle for Brad Miller Logan Morrison and Danny Farquhar. Right. First off, let's start with the Rays guy. How do you, you see this trade for, for your favorite team? They wanted Miller for a while, so you know it's something. They wanted him when they got Franklin, right? Yes, and most of the fan base wanted him too. Um, so you know it's it fills a need because Nick Franklin's not ready, Tim Beckham's not ready, Hot Julie is over, and this is it. And Daniel Robertson is in Triple A, so it's what they needed, and they needed they wanted more left-handed bats, so they got that, and they got Morrison, who's probably going to slot into where Jason was DHing. Um, and and go from there. And the, the, you know they're not going to the free agent market at the positions they need is not deep not and deep. not cheap. So this is the route they went, and they've got plenty of pitching to do it with. But you noticed a really unique thing that you don't usually see from Tampa Bay in terms of the years that were shifted in this trade. What did you find there? Well, actually, man, I got to credit it to one of the commenters at Lookout Landing. Uh, but they said that the Rays traded away 17 years of player control for eight. You don't usually see that. Now, but it's do. usually the other way around, where they're getting the 17. <laughs> to be fair, though, some, a bunch of those years are reliever years. I mean, if yeah, you're counting Riefenhauser, Riefenhauser right, versus, versus yeah. five versus uh, two of Farquhar, that's, that's well, five, one five, of Farquhar. Six, five, five, of, uh, five of Riefenhauser, six of Powell, and... Um, and then Carnes is another five. Four, five. Uh, so that's that's where it is. You know, Carnes is surprisingly old. What do you think about Carnes? Is he 28? Yeah. 28 before the season starts. And he's, and he's, you know, there's a health piece there. People are, are talking about how he hasn't put together Don't 180 in the season. season. Before, I'm showing us too. Yeah, so I think... You know, I think it was very interesting. I think Cameron did a good job of breaking it down in terms of how you think about baseball and how you think about stats. You think about this trade very differently. If you think that UZR is a useful tool, then you think that uh, Brad Miller can be a shortstop. If you think it's not that great of a stat and uh, more the scouts are right, then the scout, a lot of the scouts are saying that you know Brad Miller is not a shortstop. You know, I that, but the thing is, when they signed Cabrera last year, everybody's like, "Why Cabrera's not a shortstop anymore? He has nothing." And Cabrera was actually very good. He was, you know, for him. I mean, he made some improvements. I don't know if it was positioning or what it was, but Carrera had a very good season at shortstop, where he's been is it, awful in the last. Is it years. is it that Evan Longoria is great and that covers up some of it? I don't it think. I don't think Longoria. I think it's right more positioning. I don't think Longoria. Play, I think he had a good year at third base. I, I was surprised when he was a Gold Glove finalist. I yeah, you know, I thought Josh Donaldson should have been there. Maybe we overrate shortstops as a defensive position as an importance. Maybe it's in some ways just as important as any other position. And you know, when you you can have a good defensive first baseman and make up for some of the bad defense. Defensive things at second, short. I mean, think about a bad arm shortstop. 
You know, if you have a good glove first baseman, all of a sudden you're taking away some of those bad throws. You know, and you're actually so making that shortstop it's better. It's always puzzle pieces. That, yeah. that, that's the yeah. thing. And what team, I mean, there are a few teams that put puzzle pieces together better than a team like Tampa Bay. Uh, so we I mean, got they were the, supposed to be terrible, and they were almost 500. We got the One Brad Miller more. piece covered in t- terms of his defense. What do you guys think of his offense next year? Where is he in the shortstop uh, stratosphere? They're not necessarily giving a ranking, but what expectations? Is there another level, or is it just going to be kind of a slightly above league average, okay sort of deal with Brad Overall Miller? Overall league average, maybe, but the American League shortstop pulls deep. Yeah, that's true. It got, got very deep with two superstars Coming. Yeah, that's we'll talk the about thing. one of them in a yeah, second. It got deep, so that that's kind of that's kind of the issue that I'm concerned about. And plus, I don't think he plays every day. I think they put him in platoon with Tim Beckham because Tim. I mean, you want to play Beckham, but you need to marginalize what he does, and he that's what lefties. you leave him and you leave him against lefties. And Brad was already and being platoon. He's already being platoon, so yeah. it's an easy thing. Yeah. Go, going back to that draft that we talked about, that 15 team NFBC, uh, probably the biggest takeaway from the conference when people went and looked at that board was that uh, Carlos Correa didn't go in the first round and honestly if we had talked two months ago and I told you he didn't go in the first round I wouldn't have been so surprised but there's been so much build up and so many people ready to say that he, he should be going in the first he ended up going 17th pick second round of uh, second pick of the second round what did you think when you saw that Eno? I immediately said it was like my favorite pick of the draft yeah. I mean I, I think he's the best shortstop in baseball right now especially because and he paired him with Rizzo that's Scott Gilroy yeah that, I really like that combination and uh, you know I, I think that uh, the, the, the other the flip side though is that the first round looks pretty tight it looks pretty nice actually I mean there's some, there's some, you know, depends on how many pitchers you put into it, and there's some question near the end, maybe. But if you really like Korea better than the 17th pick, you then you start talking about what are the players you're going to take off the board uh, to move Korea up. And, uh, you know, I think for me, I saw D. Gordon. Mm-hmm. I'd take Korea above D. Gordon. Granky uh, was a first-rounder. I would take him off Granky, the board. Granky, I might take him. Uh, another guy that, uh, you know, Pollock, I think, is, a, is an interesting question to have because Pollock was, was great. Um, but um, also 27, 28, uh, not necessarily a lot of growth left, I think. Yeah. So I'm not sure, you know, if you think that he can repeat all of that, then then maybe. I think Pollock versus Korea is the question to have. But you know what? Korea's stats are going to look a lot like Pollock's, but it's short. Exactly. You know, and I just feel like if I have the choice to make, I, I think Korea can go 2020 next year. So. You know, and has upside in both categories beyond 2020. When they asked who would take who, the room was split. In that Between regard. Korea and Pollock. Like it, it should be a no-brainer because you can find another guy that could do what Pollock did yeah. or come close to it. How many shortstops are you going to find what he did? Look what he did over 100 games. Put it over 150. Yeah. And it's... No it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I completely he's agree a, there. If I'm in a draft, he's not making it plus five. Jason, how much uh, of a chance did you get to look at that board? Did you have any specific takeaways when you looked at that draft board? And I'll post pictures in the post of this uh, of this podcast for people to see the first 23 rounds. Alex Cobb being taken. Um, yeah. And Kevin Pillar, but you know, people do the people want to do what they want to do. Wait, wait. I think we got to <laughs> we got to tell that story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the whole thing. I apologize up front. Well, you don't necessarily need the, the ramifications. Maybe you can leave that out. But. <laughs> Well, Kevin Pillar went in the third round. Everyone has strategies. Exactly. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're not making fun of anybody. None of us would have done it. We're making fun of Paul here. But but honestly, it it is me. So Kevin Pillar went in the third round, and I missed the pick. Uh, I just I just didn't hear it. I was probably talking some trash or who knows what I was doing, but I wasn't paying enough attention because I didn't hear it. So I, I tweeted out the first picture of the board. 
and somebody notices that Kevin Poir went in the third round and he tweets me he's like oh Poir in the third round like 25 question marks and I'm like well that has to be an error so without checking I immediately run up halt the draft and say guys guys there's been a mistake somebody on Twitter noticed a mistake and I'm um, like Poir was taken that can't be a real pick oh my God. Two guys, the two proctors maybe it was Kevin, take <laughs> maybe it was Kevin Molar uh, but the, 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 so the two guys running the draft were, were, were very polite about it first off they didn't want to put the person who picked Pilar on blast and they wanted to let me finish hanging myself which you did I did again I'm up there in front of the entire draft room letting everyone know how much of an egregious error has been made by the guy putting the stickers on the board and it turns out I'm the only one who's made the mistake so you know when you get embarrassing like get hot I was literally on fire I had to slink back to the desk and act like it didn't just obliterate someone's third round pick it's funny it reminds me you know what you should have had too bad you couldn't say smoke bomb and run off it, it, it was bad I you was know, it's funny, mortified it's, we, we, we have a, a heck of a track record down here first pitch because the first time I was ever here uh, yes. with you yes. uh, we were in a, in a breakout <laughs> session during the first pitch and we were just tweeting just a couple things that, 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 couple. that the just scouts were saying I, I, it felt like just a couple to me but um, at some point uh, uh, Ron Chandler who runs this whole thing stopped the, the entire thing and said uh to whoever's tweeting everything <laughs> that we're saying out there, please stop tweeting. Please stop Who was the person who left their cell phone on during one of the board? Was that somebody? I thought that was you, too. No, I don't think somebody so. Somebody I know left their cell phone, and it went ringing during one of the panels. Oh, oh that was That was one of the regional ones. Uh, oh, okay. Left cell phone on, and that didn't go over well. That's fine. Well, guys, let's talk a bit about some of the guys that we've seen out here in AFL. You know, I'll start with you. Who's Who are a few guys that you've been able to talk to and see? And what, what, what do you like? Well, you know, it's funny. The first two guys I talked to are struggling a little bit right now here and in general, and that's um, Alex Blandino and, and DJ Peterson. But they're they're very relevant because they're close to the major leagues. They're older guys. They're college guys. And they're at positions of need for their for their organization. So DJ Peterson plays first base, uh, which suddenly, you know, the Mariners sort of need. Uh, they need a bat anytime they can get one. And Peterson used to show plus-plus raw power, but this year hit like seven home runs. And he had a really terrible year. And then Alex Blandino is not known so much for his power, but he's another shortstop uh, in the Reds organization. That, But he's he's here to play second, okay. because Brandon Phillips' deal is up in 2017. I think they're looking at him as a possible replacement. They can never trade Phillips away. They'll, they'll, they'll just slot Blandino in. And I think got... he can be, a, I think he can be almost like a shortstop at second in terms of offense. So it's not, it's not great um, in terms of offensive upside, but I think he could hit like 275 with 10, 15 homers and um, you know, maybe have good runs in RBI totals because the, he'll He'll walk, and he'll probably at the top of the lineup somewhere. So uh, I do think uh, th- that's going to be useful to us. It's a name to remember, remember, even if it's not necessarily this year. Peterson, if he gets it together, could be you know could it's coming could this go year. Quickly, yeah. And the the thing for Peterson is that um, you know he has that plus power, but uh, he said the problem was all between his ears uh, when we talked. So uh, he knows that it's all about approach and like the awareness. What he's trying to do right now is go the other way more, use his college swing, shorten it up a little bit, uh, and who knows what it'll do for his power but if he makes more contact at least he'll be playable so 
Uh, I think he's someone to watch. He not, he might be a buy low because I mean the pl- the, the raw power is there, mm-hmm. and he's not a terrible it's not a terrible swing. And that's for Peterson in any dynasty yeah. league. I mean, you're going to get him way cheaper than you would have a, a yeah. year ago at this point. Jason, coming over to you, I know that you've lamented the fact that you've yet to see a home run in, in arguably the most offensive league that that is out there. I mean, this yeah. offense is usually <laughs> that's batting practice doesn't yeah. count. Uh, you know, offense is usually very plentiful here, and it's not like they brought a ton of great pitchers. We just haven't seen any any power, but who are a couple guys that you've seen that you've really liked so far in the three or four games we've been to? Um, that's been the problem. I haven't seen it, maybe, to be honest with you. And, and what's brutal with me is I'm terrible at remembering names. You, you can't, you can't you know, name Kerfuffle, the, uh, the yeah, next Randy Cho. He knows how to issues pronouncing names on this show. I have issues remembering names. Uh, but, you know, the, the reliever for the uh, the Jays, I want to say is Glenn Quagmire. Uh, it's something, Dragmire, something. He pitched last night, and just what, what I noticed as soon as he went out there, every radar gun behind the screen went up. And when every one of them goes up in the seventh inning. That's usually something to watch for. Yeah. Uh, and it looked good. Uh, and he was uh, working his working his slider in. So you know that impressed me. And um, I thought the, um, the Diamondbacks kid. Um, Oh, Yohan Lopez. Lopez looked yeah. really good last night, uh, considering some of the stories that have been said about him. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked really good last night. I was impressed. Yeah, there were some bad reports out on him, and then we got to see Yohan Lopez last night, and he looked, he looked pretty sharp. I agree with you well, there. Well, it's pretty amazing. Even the velocity reports in the last four games. I mean, the, the first game, supposedly, he was 93-96, and then supposedly he was down 90-92 the next two games. When we saw him, uh, we asked Dan Farnsworth, Dan Farnsworth, uh, Fangrass Prospect guys out here, and we asked him, I kept texting him for, for, for velocity readings he said he was 92 to 94 uh saw some 95 so you know that's a that's a lot better place we actually saw swings and misses on the fastball in the two bad games people said they didn't see any swings and misses on the fastball so and then the other uh speaking of the end uh roman fields is somebody he said he liked a lot in talking with oh, from the blue jays from the blue jays he said yeah he hadn't, he hadn't had a bat at bat all week and then the one he was telling me this he's struck out in three pitches <laughs> <laughs> thanks dan well fields is interesting too because i don't think that the upside is there of like an anthony alford uh it'd be interesting to put him up against pompey uh in terms of who was here last year by the way yeah who's a more natural center fielder uh who and and for fields to be here means something exactly. it means that they want him to extend his season they want him to look against you know advanced competition and that might might mean that either Fields has jumped over Pompey or Fields is going to be in a competition with Pompey for that fifth outfielder, you know. And if Pilar takes a step back, which we all know is possible, then Pilar can turn into the back of center fielder, and all of a sudden we're talking about finding an offensive uh, center fielder, mm-hmm. you know, to thing, pair I mean, with Pilar. The, the free agent outfield market's very top-heavy, so if you're look, if you're one of these middle to low-end teams that's looking for outfield help, or if you're banking on a free agent you can't afford, it's very, very top-heavy. Uh, even then, like a Colby Rasmus getting a qualifying offer, that's going to take him out of the the options for some other teams and somebody like Toronto who has a ton of outfield depth trade market absolutely we've already and seen that, the trade that, market they, they could have fields like down well here for that well positioned to make a trade put them in front of all the scouts so. while exactly. you're talking about them uh, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the guy right now Jerickson Profar who's out here obviously missed the entire season due to injury uh, have you got a chance to see him at all you know or talk to him uh, about what's going he, on he just, threw the, he just threw the ball yeah I know uh, we're, actually, we're actually seeing him on the field uh, he, for those unaware he hadn't played the field at all in any games where we're watching batting practice and fielding practice right now, but have you been able to get any read on what he's been able to do down here tonight, you know, he uh, looks, this year? He looks athletic again. I mean, he looks he looks fast. He looks you know smooth at the plate. I, I think there's some ex- reason to have excitement for him. The, the reason I mentioned that he throw, he's not throwing, and the throw that I just saw was a, a lollipop, you know, lob it over to the guy with the bucket sort of throw. So mm-hmm. he's not really throwing. Right now he's got his hands on his hips, and he's not 
you know, really playing uh, shortstop because he knows he can't really throw. So there's a there's there's reason to be worried. But like Peterson, this is a time when you can go get him, and there's still something there to be yeah, excited about. Yeah, because the second something changes, good is what they say on yeah. Here. Yeah, the second something changes with Profar and he shows anything in like spring training, everyone's gonna be back on that train. So you gotta. This is a buy low. You have to buy when it's actually ugly to get a buy low. So I think Jerickson Profar. Now is the time to buy. Uh, if yeah, that, talk if that about how Odor is playing second and and and, and Andrews Profar can't even anywhere. throw the ball. Yeah. And we're talking about a DH who's going to hit 15 homers. So yeah, I, I think that's an interesting one. I, Clint Frazier is also a guy that we've seen some of, and dude is huge. He's yoked. He's yoked and. Put on, put on, Quite a bit, pounds. 25 pounds muscle. Yeah, we, yeah. I talked to him, and he told, he told us that we did. Uh, yeah, we did a little group interview with him, and uh, and uh, he said he put on 25 and only lost about five over the course of the season. That's always something to check in with him about. So, um, you know, I think uh, the the the. The better strikeout rate was good, and he had a reason for it. He said his toe tap, uh, he's calmed it down. He's, he's doing a smaller toe tap, and he's talking about, you know, uh, trying to make a little more contact and, and um, you know, spray the ball a little bit. And, and uh, But he said, I'm always going to strike out. Yeah, he's you comfortable know, with that. I'm an aggressive guy. I'm going to hit for power. And given the fact that he doesn't have those long levers that you're used to, I think the fact that he's yoked is going to be important. I think he's going to have to try and get the most out of his frame. Um, I... I'm a little bit more. Uh, I'm a little bit more into him now than I did when I was sort of box score scouting. I was a little bit worried about the strikeouts and a little bit worried about the, the size. But uh, talking to him, seeing him play, I, I'm a little bit more in on Clint Frazier now. Yeah, to hear Frazier talk about the strikeouts and how they're just going to be a part of his game that he accepts, I, I was impressed by it. Again, an, an awareness from a young player that you don't always see. Just from the physical standpoint, Adam Brett Walker, the second, just, oh, is just... For the twins. Yes, he's like your... Monster. The, the, the body cat, the guy you cast from casting, be like, give me the athletic-looking guy. That guy. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little worried, though. It's, there's a lot of holes in the swing, but there's tons of power. And the bat Walker. looks a little slow a little bit, it seemed to me. I mean, he was saying BP, and I was like, that looks like molasses, man. So I don't know. I, I, I'm a little, a little worried about that. Austin Meadows is another guy who's out here, a pretty high prospect. Might be the very best. I mean, depends what list you're looking at, but right. Frazier, Meadows, they're, they're among the very best prospects here. Um, I know Meadows is someone that, that you, you've studied. What are you seeing out of him lately, and, and what? how quickly can he come? Obviously, blocked out there in the outfield right now, but uh, how far away is somebody like Austin Meadows for the Pirates? Well, I wish people could see this right now because, you know, he had a 100 ISO in, in high A. And uh, there were some questions about his power this year, but if you watch him, if you were watching what you were, what we're watching right now, you can see this guy has raw power. All those hits, those are his. Uh, those are that you you're can, hearing. That's me yeah. hearing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm gonna try and talk to him here in a second, and I think we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about lo- unlocking that power, and um, you know, what if he was concentrating on something else this year, and um, you know, what he's doing with a swing and stuff to, to, to get more out of that, because he's, he's got the physical guy. tools. He's not a small guy. Yeah. You can see the frame; it's got room to fill. Yeah. No, And, you know, the question might be if he plays center because, you know, we've heard a little bit about how bad his arm is. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to hear. He's like 10 feet away. He's pretty close. Uh, But some some revere comps on his arm. Yeah. So, uh, but you know what? I think it's a good enough bat 
I think it's a good enough bat where he's he's not really deck. He's, you don't really take too many points away from him if he plays in the corner outfield. I think I think he'll play. I think uh, he's not really a great buy low though because there's a lot of excitement. No, the only thing I would here. say about buying low is that he might end up on the list at top ten. And right now you may not have to pay top ten prices. Yeah, you might both sneak so, before it gets but really that, high. It's not real like a real buy low. So that's Austin Meadows. One other guy from the Pirates who's here that I don't know a whole lot about, so I want to lean on you guys if you know anything. It's Reese McGuire, former first-round pick behind the dish. I don't know how far away he is, but they can't. Cervelli's not a, a long-term option for them. You know, what do you know about uh, Reese McGuire and, and how quickly could he maybe get to the majors? I, you know, I think that uh, we heard some some positive things about his bat. Um, maybe some question marks about his D, which I think is really important for that organization. I mean, they're they're a D first catching group, and I think that you know I personally subscribe to the tins to cap. Uh, there is no such thing as a catching prospect. Yes, uh, I love it. And, Amen, brother. And they, they have the latest debut age of any position. Uh, their bat tends to lag behind their... Uh, they have weirder aging curves, and their bat tends to hide, uh, lag behind their, their glove because they're asked to do so much on a given day. And every game day, they're asked to plan for the pitchers. They have to receive. They have to do work on their defense. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, you're swinging tonight, too. So, uh, you know, it's almost like you could... The game might benefit from a DH that's like actually just a catcher, like a a catcher only. You know? I, I mean, I, no, it, their I, lives would be made easier. I couldn't agree with you more on catching <laughs> prospects. I, I just I don't mess with them, but I know that McGuire has some, has some acclaim, and it shouldn't take him too much longer. Jason, we got a chance to see Dylan Bundy for an inning. What did you see out of him when when we caught that inning from Dylan Bundy? He's big. He's massive. I mean, big. That's my work. He's just big. I I think actually that uh, there's something really interesting going on there. That uh, I I think uh, there's something really interesting going on there. If you, I think if you took this, everybody was talking this way. If you took the name off the jersey and you were just like, here's this guy. What you saw was like 90 to 93, uh, soft curveball. He only broke off one really nice curveball. The change was eh. You know, the, there was a slider there, but he's been messing with that slider. It's a cutter slider thing. It doesn't really. He's not a cutter, he's not allowed to throw. He's not really. It's like a slider now, and it's not as good as that. It used to be an 80 pitch. It used to be an 80 cutter, and I, don't, I would never put an 80 on that breaking pitch that I saw. I, would, I wouldn't put a good number on the curveball that I saw. That's yeah, and Metal's just and, like yak. Yeah. Nice. That's about, what is that? That's about 15 feet. 420, yeah, 420, yeah. 420, 430. That was nice. Right yeah, so uh, Bundy, I mean, it was only one inning. But see, I think if you take that name off, you say, eh, I don't know, maybe, it doesn't look that great. But uh, with the name on it, people are like, well, not only do I remember the, the promise, but um, I give him credit for being on the field, mm-hmm. uh, for this being the first time since May that he's pitched, and sort of uh, the rust and all that, and maybe there's more velocity coming. So, uh, but I, you know, it's interesting. You want to put context in, but you also don't want to take it too far and, and be dreaming on the old Bundy when this is the actual Bundy this, that's in yeah, front of us Yeah, this is the Bundy now. that we've got, that, so, uh, the well-injured Bundy. I mean, for me, I'm not even sure he's a top 100 prospect if, if he doesn't have that name on on the back of the jersey. That's unfortunate. I think we'll get a chance to see Alex Reyes tonight, so that's why we're not commenting on him right now. We'll go ahead and wrap up right now. There's a chance we'll get a second part in, but if not, this will be, this will be its own 288, and we'll do, maybe do a 289. Who knows? Yeah, well, maybe. I think the one thing that I think is interesting in general about the, about this is that the, the talent level, I think, has been lower. And, and, right. And, and we've I think been spoiled even in with, the past. I think even with Brinson and Brett Phillips here, they left. Uh, and Dominic Crawford. Davey Crawford. I think even with those guys there, I would, I would say there's a step down. I mean, there was four 
before the first time we came here, we saw Trout play Harper. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I know, but I, and as much as that's like a sort of generational thing, and you can't expect that every year, I think that's that. You know, people might get too into prospects this year because we really because the season we we just might have been almost peak prospect last year. Spoiled. We used everybody last year. Yep. Like the, the hundred, the top one hundred list. Probably they were all eviscerated. Lost like eighty players. Yeah. Last yeah. It doesn't year matter too. which yeah. list because they all vary. They all got yeah. so, dinged so hard. So like, I think a lot of people in like redraft leagues will be all over the prospects next year, and they might be picking from a, a inferior pool of prospects, and they may not come up as much. And you know, there is there That's might a be a pushback a little bit more veterans and stuff like that so uh, I think uh, of all the years this might be the one I'd be careful about of course with Tom Crawford I love him to death mm-hmm. Brinson is athletic as hell and he made some real strides but you know if those if he regresses at all in that strikeout rate if, he's, if he takes a stride back at all then we're talking about a guy who strikes out too much a bit of a gallo problem and, and you know maybe we won't see much of Brinson next year so there is a lot of risk there and people shouldn't forget that there is risk there yeah you, you've got you've got to be careful it's a good point you make because this league is kind of the primer league it's, it's it's the last step for a lot of guys a lot of these guys playing here will be in the majors uh this it's upcoming year jason what do you see 17 on 17 of the 25 guys on casey's world series roster have played in this arizona fall league can you wow. believe that that's that was crazy guys i mean not necessarily as royals but just it was impressive as is anyway guys we're gonna have to get going right now that'll wrap, wrap up this at least half of an episode but maybe all of episode 288 until then i'll talk to you guys later <laughs>